From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. Hey, this is Daryl Hers from Indie Week, and this is the Indie Week Podcast number one. These are recordings taken from our free online sessions live every Tuesday called Indie Weekly, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time for you. Uh, more information is at IndieWeek.com. This session is with a really good friend, Martin Atkins. We get into highlights of his career. So if you think that Martin has played with Nine Inch Nails, with Killing Joke, Public Image Limited, Pig Face, uh, he's done it all. And he's also an author of books like Tour Smart, Band Smart, and Welcome to the Music Business. You're fucked. Also, uh, Martin is great at guerrilla marketing. The session here, we get into road stories and some of the cool things like Trent Reznor and stuff like that. Um, you don't want to miss this. Uh, and Martin is such a cool guy. I met him in the days of MySpace when I just simply asked, want to go for a coffee? And I'm very excited to be able to share this kind of discussion with you. Again, Indie Weekly is live every Tuesday 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time. And more information and to sign up is easily available at IndieWeek.com. So today we're doing a different type of discussion where it, it's more informal, like often we're doing presentations and about business and stuff. What's really important, I feel, during COVID, and we were talking about this sort of before, is, you know, the music business really gives you kind of like this callous. Like I can take anything on. I like, I, I you know, we are, sh- we're a little late because we are sharing road, road stories in the back. And, uh, you know, it's like, I've been stranded by a road crew in Red Deer, Alberta. That was like my first week out with that band. Uh, I've had uh, bikers after, after a band once that wasn't fun. Uh Bus broken in, van broken in, uh, yeah. car on fire. We as in a car on fire. Uh, uh, ongoing stuff, right, Martin? Well, I I think I I I, I raise you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you could probably top that for sure. We, we had an outbreak of spinal meningitis on a tour bus. As the the night we crossed over into Canada, up into Toronto, so <clears throat> it's like I mean the things that you've mentioned: bikers, vehicles on fire, etc., <laughs> etc. Et yeah, 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 yeah. You, we can deal with that, you know. Put out that fire, punch that biker, or run, you know. Run but, was the option. <laughs> yeah, spinal meningitis, you know. So we're like, well, well, what's the test? For spinal meningitis, uh, it's a spinal tap. Like so, people were freaking out at the prospect of being tested for spinal meningitis. And then the bus driver—we had two buses. The bus driver tells me, "Well, we've got to call the Canadian government." I'm like, "What? what, what do, do we have to?" Like, "Yeah, we have to. We're crossing an international border, and we have spinal meningitis." We have, so so. Um, uh, I mean, once you've lived through, I mean, that I, I might still have PTSD from, from that. So the first thing that happened, and I guess, are we just telling these stories now? I, I guess. Well, so, go into this one and, and, and yeah, we'll okay. have a conversation. Well, 
so it, it fits with my general mood at the moment. So the first thing that happened was any little, uh, well, first of all, we saw the surgeon and a crew of nurses. And it seemed like, as the doctor said to every person in the band and crew, he was making the symptoms happen, right? So when the doctor said, are you, uh, do you have any kind of a sore throat? Oh, and is your back, oh, my back, yes, my back's hurt. Are you feeling a headache? You know, he was kind of precipitating the symptoms. So we lost about half of everybody before it was ever mine height from Einster's end of Neubauten was opening for, for pig face. And um, I don't, their drummer went to the hospital. So I ended up playing drums with FM Einheit's band randomly. My drum tech, Jim, goes to the hospital to have a spinal tap. So then, I'm because I destroyed my drums, so I'm playing my drums and um, I, no one's there to put things back together. I look down, it's legendary FM Einheit um, helping and trying to, trying to put my drums back together. But it, it absolutely glued everybody together. When we left Toronto, not all of us did, but, but those of us that left um, were glued together. And then, and, and just shell-shocked, before every show, I made the audience sing Get Well Dave, because Dave Wright from a band called Not Breathing was admitted to hospital actually in Rochester, I think. Um, we, I made them sing Get Well songs to him before we will play a note. And uh, I think by the time we got back to Chicago, we got word that he'd been released from hospital. But you go through that and you get that thousand yard stare. You get the, the accelerated forward vision of you see a couple of things and you know exactly where they're leading in a day's time. You just, and, it, it, uh, and that's, that's that problem solving um projection that you that you get when you when you've been on the road and and i think a confidence of just like well how bad could it be you know you know does anybody have spinal meningitis no okay then <laughs> let's let's go yeah, that is so true and and man all these stories are flooding back to me right now uh, we'll probably share some at the end like we'll do road story Okay. quick exchange at the end but you know that's that's it if anything this business especially if you're on the road one either makes or breaks because you say like it's bonding but in some cases it's the opposite and exploding yeah <laughs> but if you well, do get through it all of a sudden you're kind of like this gang of like us against them and we can take it on right and and and, and it makes you it makes you different and which is exactly what you need to be on the road anyway. You know, nobody nobody wants to see a band, you know, jump on stage like, hey, traffic was bad and I hate my job. Dun, 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 dun. You know, well, actually, that's a, probably a good song. But, <laughs> but nobody wants to hear. People want to be transported somewhere else, you know. And, and once you've been through this stuff, you become uh, cut from a different cloth which maybe we are anyway, um, but it just kind of underlines that, I think. A absolutely. And I remember, see, more it's coming to mind. Like I was talking HMV before, uh, 
And I remember we would have like, you know, autograph signings with band coming through town. And I just remember this well-known Canadian act. They were like, where's the washroom? Where's the bathroom? All of them. And like, and they basically showered in the sink right before their autograph signing. Cause that's the only time they had to, <laughs> but as, as workers, you're kind of like, what's up with all these people? Like that, don't they shower? Like, you know, but that's, that's sometimes what you do. Right. You just make it work. And, and, you know, I was unfortunate. I mean, I've been nothing but fortunate, but I was unfortunate in the sense that my very first tour of America, the first hotel I stayed in was the Lennox hotel in Boston, Massachusetts, which is, we all had suites at the Lennox, you know, for three days before the first show. So we could get over our jet lag, you know, 30 years later, we did the reverse with my band pig face. We flew from Denver to London and it was like, it was actually in the itinerary sleep on the plane. Cause you're getting off the plane and doing a show, you know? So, um, uh, yeah. Well, and, and days off are, 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 uh, dangerous <laughs> three days in one place is uh uh yeah. how, how did you guys cope with that because i think you know what i'm talking about well it, it is dangerous in in so many ways because especially once a tour starts because you've got the uh when a tour ends at about 10 o'clock at night i i, I get i get like this like well what's going on and my body's getting adrenalized ready for the show you know so the adrenaline of a show can burn off alcohol and other things, you know? So anybody who's been over consuming during the day gets, gets leveled out by the show and they get their release, you know, um, from the show <clears throat> when there isn't a show, people are bored, drink more, don't have the, the, uh, acceleration to burn it off. And, and that's when you just end up heading to the police station to find whoever's missing. Yes. Uh, I, I remember like uh, one of the last tours I did across Canada, we had a few days off in Saskatchewan and that was like the bar. I remember said, Oh, we're going to stay open later for you. So I'm like, well, how late's late? You tell us. And so it's kind of like, now we have like an endless tap open and uh, the show is like the next day. And we were leaving right after the show to drive 37 hours straight back to Toronto to go right to a show uh, on the island and stuff. And, and yeah, not the best drive, I would say, after a night like mm -hmm. that. <laughs> but, 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 then, but then what happens is no one's got time to be nervous about the Toronto show. You're just trying to not throw up and deal with it and just, wow, just you, 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 you I could, it's like a tunnel. Where, where every, every day has to be a Saturday night, right? And if it isn't, you better effing make it one for, your, for the eight people who showed up on a Tuesday in Saskatchewan, right? So you, you have to lose all track of time, you know? Yeah, um, it, so, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we're talking this in the sense that, you know, the music business is not like any other business. Uh, the road ends up being its own monster and animal. It's, it's like everybody will have their own stories and they're similar, but yet unique. And then now we're in this time of COVID and, and it's like, how do we adjust, you know? And for people who've been on the road, it might be like, 
oh, it's, it's the opposite. Like you said, every night's a Saturday night and so much energy. And now we're kind of stuck and this energy's bundling up and, and, and building. Um, how have you seen it take effect either on musicians, but then how have you worked through COVID as well? Um, well, it, it's been a long road, hasn't it? I mean, uh, we were lucky down at Millican that we were planning our second, wow, we're, we're working on the fifth right now. We were planning our second Midwest Music Expo. And <clears throat> uh, we, were, we, we had a meeting down, down in Decatur. We're like, okay, we're going to have this person and that person, and we're going to bring all these people to Decatur to be in, the, in this new $25 million commons building. And, and, and halfway through the meeting, I said, everyone, you know, the better the job we do with this, the worse I'm feeling already. We don't need to be bringing people together right now. I think we've got to cancel it. And we canceled the event. But within a few days, it felt wrong to cancel it for the students and for the city and for the university. And we, we decided to go online and do it. And I was lucky because within a few weeks of the lockdown happening, we saw registrations triple for the event. And we had the caliber of guests went through the roof. So normally with an in-person event, you've, you might have one or two A-list you know, uh, people. Um, there might be a budget attached and hotel and ground transportation and blah, blah, blah. And, and then you've got, you've got some local people and uh, you honor the community and do all this stuff. But suddenly we had Lord Tolhurst from The Cure, Wendy Day, Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, um, Michael Alago, who signed Metallica at the age of 24. And it was like, well, this isn't all terrible. I mean, everything was terrible, but this thing was not terrible. And so the lessons, I, I mean, I really quickly learned in that. I remember we finished the event. I was bent double because I was I was on a Zoom call for ten hours, and uh, yeah, I was like ah. But the first thing I said to Molly was, um, "Well, there goes the summer," and we just planned events one, two, three, or four a week for the last year. And so I also saw people trying to do their thing on Zoom. And I, I, I think I'm good at looking at what's in front of me and coming up with something that's, that, may, that I can make a go of, right? I'm not, I don't come up with some, well, I, I do. I don't come up with some insane thing that I can't do. But I mean, that is pig face for me. Five drummers, three bass players. Yeah, you know, but, but it would just be ridiculous to try and do that on Zoom. So then it occurred to me, well, we leave everything on the stage with Pigface. And I'll talk to anybody before the show. I'll, I'll go outside and talk to everybody in line, bring people hot chocolate or whatever. Because uh, it's amazing that anybody comes out to see us. But after a show, I'll talk to a few people, but I've just, I've just burnt everything on stage. And so I just start to crash. So within half an hour, 40 minutes of me coming off stage, I'm, I would say, asleep or crying in my bunk, nursing my wounded knees and my elbow and my back, you know. And so 
but when we do an event online, I can talk to people from all over the world for 10 hours, you know? So it's like, what can I do with this, in this context, that's as good as it can be in this context, that isn't trying to be this other thing that I can't do in this context, you know? So then that, that led me, because we have a screen printing shop downstairs, um, that led me to do um, two Midwest Music Expos ago was Scratch and Sniff. So we did these eight different circles on a card and you scratch them and one was banana and one was coffee and one was weed and one was burning rubber. And so we sent these cards out to people. And of course, it was last minute. I wish we'd had longer to promote it and had another 50 people with these cards. But you've got 20 people on the screen and I would say, okay, everybody scratch number two and everybody would scratch number. It was hilarious. And, and, and it, and it connected everybody, right? When, when you've got people from all over the country or all over the world, we're all connected, but to see everybody lift, lifting up the same car, cause we mail them out and scratching the same smell. And I'm like, Oh, oh here we go. I know it's burning rubber. They don't, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it was glorious. So if we tried to put four drum kits on a Zoom call, <laughs> I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. And so um, th that's what, that's how this started for me. And then we started to do the, get the F Inside campaign where um, I was using that as what I call a force multiplier and just sending stuff to bars who were struggling all, all over the, all, all over the world, actually boss. in Tokyo, we sent them some shirts and um, when we started to Martin, Martin, if I yeah. can just interject here, I, yeah. I want everybody to note what Martin just did there. Cause Martin is a master of this. What did you call it? What get the fucking side campaign. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. It was a force multiplier oh, force multiplier. Yeah. <laughs> Martin is genius at branding everything. It's so important. Like, like it, it's not just a campaign. It's a force multiplier campaign. Uh, so, so I just wanted to, everybody take note. As Martin talks, there's all these little phrases and it's like, oh, what was that? Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. So, but, so, but, but what, so, you know, I'm music business. And some people think music business is counting the money after a show and keeping track of the taxi receipts. You know, and, and that's a, that is a job for somebody. But to me, music business is, is this other thing. It, it's not regular business. It's a business that exists outside of, of other stuff. It doesn't mean you don't understand business. It just means you understand that there are other things at play. Music Pro Summit, online music conference, September, 2022. High level discussions about the music industry. Looking to get a level up in your career? This is a conference for you. Superly Bird passes and tickets are on sale now. Just go to musicprosummit.com for more information. One of the reasons I came up with force multiply, which is a military term, you know, is, <clears throat> is that I think that traditional business people, when I say, ooh, uh, so I made some art, I screen printed these bags, or 
I screen printed smells on a piece of card. I can, maybe it's just me, but I can feel business people going, oh, how pathetic, you know? Oh, oh, how sweet. Martin made smells on a card. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, but but there's there's business. There's there's business and connection behind all of this stuff. And and uh, and you create stories, and stories are money, you know. Uh, they're connection first and money. You, you have to have a connection before you can do anything, before anybody will listen to your music or, or send you money. So I just try and and underline that some of these things that some people think are frivolous storytelling art music they're absolutely not frivolous at all and they are some kind of it's some kind of magic glue that uh, we just if i can tell you a story um well this keeps happening but um so I, I opened this museum and um, we've, we've been at it just, just a few months. And, and 18 months ago, we auctioned a drum. It was the last drum I held on stage and I held it out into the audience and I let the audience beat on it. And it, it was cool, I, you know, and I was kind of reluctant to auction it, but we, we wanted some items of note in the auction uh, to reach out to people and benefit people. And that drum, uh, it was just a, a throwaway drum, really. I called it a stunt floor tom. Um, it sold for nearly $600. And, and I, that's great. It was great. So I autographed it. I was kind of sad to see it go. Well, uh, two weekends ago, the guy that bought it at auction brought it back and just said, here, uh, this belongs here. So there's this, there's this series of things happening. And I'm sure everyone in, your, in the session is familiar with free, uh, with Radiohead, pay what you can, um, pay what you feel, pay what you want. I mean, we just did a pay what you want event um, and raised over $550 online. Well, but nobody had to pay anything. It wasn't like pay what you want, but please think about maybe 20. It was just pay what you want. If you can't do anything, please come and join us. If you can, throw something down and help us out because a bunch of people aren't going to. Uh, so I think the more I get used to this different way of, of working, and it's, it's a journey to get there, um, the more I'm delighted by it, humbled by it, the more I'm just um, getting ready for the next crazy thing on this journey, you know, the, the ceiling becomes a floor, the ceiling becomes a floor. Um, <clears throat> so. If I can sort of say something there, you know, this whole free kind of model, it, it's something that I, I've noticed over my career too. Like I, I've mentioned on other talks where like, you know, I used to book the Rivoli in Toronto and I remember like being at the door and people like serve music. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there's music. What bands? And they don't know the band names. And I'm like, here's the question. How much does it cost? And they don't know the band. So they're the second I start going, yeah, it's and I, that they're already gone. They're already walking out. So I didn't even get to say, 
five dollars they're already gone and, and what i started doing was well how about this if you just go in and if you like it put five dollars towards it on your way out mm-hmm. and almost all the time people would go in because they're not paying but almost 85 90 percent of the time they would pay on their way out mm-hmm. so what's better turn people away or have people listen to their music and possibly take a photo and possibly share on social and like on social and maybe buy a shirt or t-shirt. So let people in embrace free. I know it's, it goes against what we're like money first, but if you build audience and people come in and see the value, they're going to pay and they'll tell people about it. But it, it can't be money first. I mean, the only way to get money is to not care about it. You know, so so we started the museum with a Nipsey hustle hustle, right? He did the hundred and God bless Nipsey, rest in peace. He did the hundred dollar mixtape, and I remember thinking at the time, "Huh, you blew it there, pal." One hundred dollar mixtape, you've got to be out of your. Oh, everybody's buying it. Okay, Jay Z just bought a hundred. Okay, I'm an idiot, right? So I'm thinking about, okay, we did a hundred and twenty five dollar founders t-shirt and, and and that did two things it's like well if anybody's interested you know and, and people sign up for this i'll have a budget to do it if no one's interested oh there won't be a budget so i completely bypassed the business plan and the marketing plan it was all just one thing you know a, a self-fulfilling situation and the response was um was insane and, and still is but but then People, we got some surprises. People were like, I said, we will have these special events for you. You just have to wear your shirt and the shirt will get you in. So then people email me like, well, we're never wearing the shirt. We're never going to wear it. You know, could you do like a, a some kind of a letter? And so, because I'm an idiot, I, I got my typewriter and I made these insane personalized letters. And then I got these rubber stamps because I have a rubber stamp fetish. Come from Japan. And so I put these rubber stamps on and I signed the letter. And then people are like, oh, well, we're going to frame that. I'm like, what do you, could you do some kind of a pass? Could you make us a pass? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do. So now I'm doing a personalized pass. The numbers have to match up because everybody has a number. Right. So at every point you could scale back and do less, but you've also, and and you, you made me think of this when, when the trick is to get people to walk through the fucking door, that's the problem that once they walk through the door, now it's on you. If your band's shit, they're turning around and, and leave. If you've chosen the wrong club with aggressive bouncers and a terrible sound system and $19 Budweiser, they're turning around and walking out. These are the decisions you've made. The trick is to get them to come through the door. So on Sunday, we've done a few things here. <laughs> on Sunday, we did a, a whiskey pancake brunch. There was an event in town called Cold Waves, you know, because we're a museum. And so, so then I can tweet how question, how is your museum different than any other museum? And I, the answer, shut up. What do you want? What topping do you want on your pancakes? You know, so, so, and that's, that's half the battle is setting up situations that 
you don't have to rack your brain for any kind of marketing message. You just you just talk. So at this whiskey pancake brunch, uh, it's free to the founders. So uh, uh, the 18th Street Distillery here in Chicago made whiskey for us. We have our own whiskey. So, you know, we've got whiskey. And then you could say old school traditional business will be now you've got founders. It's also a $40 ticket for anybody who isn't a founder, right? So the founders can think they're getting a $40 thing, right? And, and people who've paid $40 like, oh crap, I should have just become a founder. This would have been free. But then, then I have a choice. Do I just do, here's your crappy pancakes with whatever crappy syrup and some butter, which, which I could have done. Like if this is, there's whiskey and pancakes, F off. But I do the opposite. We get uh, champagne uh, and orange juice for mimosas, which were not advertised, right? I get this apricot preserve because I read about these um, whiskey apricot mimosas, which people went bonkers. <laughs> They're like, whoa. Um, I get like five kinds of syrup bourbon infused syrup which cost a damn fortune bananas strawberry chocolate a, a couple of cases of paps blue ribbon and 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 then we put coffee up at the front we never mentioned coffee but of course you've got to have coffee on a sunday or a bunch of donuts and i decided to dj so but, but so that's a, once somebody walks in the door now it's our job and i'm referring to everybody on this call to surprise and delight people because people are sitting there waiting, um, waiting to be ripped off. They're waiting for the catch. Like, yeah, oh, it is free to founders, but there is a $5 fee for the champagne and it's $4 a glass for the whiskey. No, go, go ahead, you know. And once you can, uh, a bunch of business stuff puts me in a position to be able to do all that, right? I mean, this, this guy gave us all this whiskey, you know, um, my marketing brain helps me do that. But once you can do it, it's your job to do it. And then uh, every single person takes photographs, comments, um, you know, maybe they don't comment until the next thing that they do and they trust and it's kind of crap because it can always be crap. You know, you can always fall back on. It doesn't say on the flyer there's coffee or champagne or bourbon-infused syrup, you know. And um, uh, I think once you do that, you're screwed. So so we've done – it was my job for the last two weeks to just show people this isn't a museum. Like, you want to play my drums from the Head Like a Hole video, the Killing Joke, Money's Not Our God, Ministry, in case you didn't feel like showing up. Randy Blythe from Lamb of God played my kit last week. Have a go. You're not, I can't damage it. You're not gonna, you know, let me take your photograph. Take your dad a pair of drumsticks. You know, like once you start to peel back the layers and become less precious, it turns out that the people you're inspiring and delighting, uh, well, it turns out to be me, <laughs> right? It's just, I, I'm having a blast. We did a hair pop-up to really talented hair stylists, I guess. I don't know what you call them these days. Uh, Gil uh, Castro and uh, Randy Tovar came in and we did a pop-up uh, haircuts 
to raise money for suicide awareness. And um, it was fantastic. There was hair all over the floor. I'm like, this is fantastic. How many museums have to like, okay, it's time to sweep the hair off the floor. It was just great. Um, so uh, we let people come in uh, two Sundays ago, Nine Inch Nails was supposed to play Riot Fest and they canceled the whole tour. So like, okay, never mind. If you're coming to Chicago, come to the studio. I'll let you mix Trent Reznor singing Suck with Pig Face and you'll leave with a cassette tape. People just love the hell out of it. Somebody flew from Dallas to do that, you know? So, um, and of course there was coffee for everybody, you know, there's PBR in the fridge, whatever, coffee, water, non-alcoholic beer from Brewdog, you know, like it's our job to surprise and delight and amaze people. That's, that's the reason for all of this stuff. And I think, you know, of course I understand the business. I teach music business, but there's a poetry in music business, you know, that isn't on a spreadsheet. And, and that's what I really like to get to. Sometimes you've got to go through the spreadsheet to get to adding columns for vibe, grooviness, social capital, longevity, and myth, you know, but, um, but I think, I think we forget. And I think I have forgotten at points how effing amazing music and people and connections and art really are and how powerful they can be. Oh man, that's, that's so on point. And uh, so many things are coming to mind. Like uh, I just saw uh, an announcement of Henry Rollins doing another spoken word show, uh, London, Ontario. Uh, okay. You know, there's somebody that was on the road, kept diaries, turned it into books, turned it into speaking engagements, turned it into acting, you know, just showing how things can scale. And he's still doing the spoken word. Mm -hmm. uh, Right. And then uh, the card thing, it brought I'm in Edmonton. So there used to be a bar here called the Rebar. And I was there like opening day kind of thing. And what they did was genius in the sense that come to our opening party and get your membership card for free. Right. And the thing is, is like, OK, cool. You got to sign up and all this stuff. And same thing, like they, you get a number and a card. So it's like, oh, I'm number nine out of thousand. Like uh -huh. it kind of kind of bragging rights kind of deal but they they were like oh no no you got to come back it'll be ready next week so so it's like okay we're giving some free booze tonight you get your card but oh no no we're signing up take your photo all that but it'll be ready next week so what are you going to do next week you're going to buy a couple beers right and and so repeat sales and then what does that card do gets you free throughout the week and then front of the line or side vip line for weekend nights and and it's the kind of thing where you go well they're not paying cover when they come back because they have this card but they're coming back yeah and that person comes back mm, every second week how much value is that if they buy four beers mm -hmm. every second week and you got to think that long-term mm -hmm. part of like okay how much does that cost over the year and by the way oh your card is up for renewal in 12 months and you have to come back to renew it. And so you come back and in some cases, I think it depended on how often you went. Like if you went a lot, they're like, here, just take the card. But if you didn't come so much, they're like, yeah, it's going to be $20. Right. But sign, you got to come back in a week to pick up the new card. 
right? Right. Right. So, so there's that touch points of like continual conversation, <laughs> continual things. And of course, throughout the year, VIP events between six and eight for members only. Yep. And then it, the door is open to the public. Right. So, so I'm definitely um, working to create FOMO, you know, for sure. The velvet rope. Sorry. No, no. Members only today. Founders only. You know, so our, our whiskey is called the Founders Reserve. You know, I mean, we're honoring the founders and we do this kind of shout out. I'm like, hey, People were here from all over the country uh, last week. I'm like, what what number is everybody? You know, and this guy's like 378 because he got his founded like a, a week ago. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then someone's like seven. And I'm like, what were you thinking? <laughs> when you bought your founders membership, I didn't even know I could do this, you know, but you did. Like, I, I don't even know how to deal with that kind of faith and trust. You know, like, oh, my goodness, you know. And um, so then we had some fun. Like, I'm still a marketing nut, right? So uh, Front 242 played here for Cold Waves, you know. And so I'm seeing, like, 242, 242 this, 242 that, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, Molly, you're like, did we, did somebody have 242 yet? She's like, yeah, this, yeah, like five weeks ago, somebody got that. I'm like, okay. So I emailed this guy. Like, hello, this might seem strange. You're number 242. I wondered, are you a big fan of the band? And he's like, uh, actually, not really. No, not at all. I'm like, okay, well, good. <laughs> I, I, could you send me your card back? I'll send you another one and something else, a T-shirt. And we auctioned 242 for like $350. You know, next up is 420 and next up is 666. You know, so it's just like, uh, and uh, throughout all of this, you're demonstrating a sense of humor and a bit of playfulness. And, you know, um, you know, you're still, you know, I, I would suspect somebody will pay $666 for the, for number 666. And it's a $125 membership. But, but everybody knows we're still allowing people to come free online. We did an open house for anybody, right? But it's still a very serious job. When somebody believes in you in April or May, months before you get in the space um, uh, and become a founder, you, it's your job to, to honor that. And, and it might end up costing you $300 to honor that. $125 commitment. That's just, that's the deal. That's the game. Now I can, because I have my own print shop here and we do stuff, I can honor the founders in other ways. I can create value that's low cost to me, high value to the consumer. I can do that um, and honor them in, in different ways. But, you know, we just, as I said, we just had Chris Connolly here. We had Steve Silver here, who is working on his second book as a, as a doorman, security guy, just really fantastic storyteller. Um, and <clears throat> just honoring these people is, I mean, a club owner should really be doing that anyway, instead of just it, uh, doing their job as a club owner. Their job as a club owner is to be part of a community, set people's heads on fire, support people when they're down, you know, 
um, that's what a club is. That's what a venue is. It's a place of, of um, uh, well, insp if, inspiration. Yeah. If, if I can say anything, that seems to be one of the main differences when I travel Europe, like in Ireland, pubs is where everybody gathers and it's, it's the, the vibrancy of the community. And it's, it's funny because, you know, we used to run Indie Week in Ireland and, it was really actually quite difficult to do business because um, I would hire somebody to book venues and he'd be like, like, I, I would be like, did you email them or did you message them? No, I'll see him at the pub on Friday. <laughs> and that's how they do it. I'm like, well, we can't wait till Friday. Well, that's when I'll see them. And, and it's like, but are you sure it's Friday and it's a pub, they will be there. And, and yeah. like, that's just yeah. how it is. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, you know, when I go to Ireland, it's literally uh, the same people at the same pub on the same day at the same time. And it's this community thing. And thinking about money, it's a different thing there. And I learned this the hard way. Um, say it's seven o'clock and there's two of you. Martin, do you want a pint? It's my round. So, okay, I'll buy. And then it's your round, you to buy. Now four more people show up and it's one of their rounds. Now they got to buy for six people. By about 10, 11, you're now buying a round for 15 people in the group. And it's not so cheap, but just know you only have to buy once because it's going to go around the room. and you'll, just, well, you'll end up with two pints in your hands all the time because everybody keeps buying. I'm like, and I'm not Irish. I'm like, I can't keep like, I'm, I'm stepping out around here. Like, I can't. Like it's yeah. not water to me, you know, yeah. <laughs> and well, they're drinking Guinness. <laughs> well, and, and, and it's, um, but, but that's where it gets dangerous because so in England, when we, we drink in rounds and so let's say your bar is closing at 11, just as you're thinking, you know, I'm six, seven pints in here. I'm just going to slow down. I just, you know, well, there's, if you start, if there's seven of you and you, and the, the, you buy an eighth round. There's six more people who have to buy a round before in the last 40 minutes. Otherwise it ha it's not fair, you know? And so you just end up uh, just guzzling down pints and pints of beer. And then, and then, yeah. Right. And I didn't mean to go with the alcohol route, but it's more of the community side <clears throat> of like, we all take care of each other. And yeah. it's just what it is. And you're going to invest. You have to invest some money when you're doing these kinds of things. So like when you're saying $300, you, you got to go, that's part of it. You know, yeah. when I worked with uh, some bands, some of our marketing uh, with Silent Seymour prior to their album coming out, we, we did like back in the days when you burned your own CDs yeah. and stick a sticker on it. We, we just did this, uh, photocopy cover and we did a color by numbers so you know this, <laughs> this area color one this yeah. area color two this area color three so we we made it where there's three colors but we only gave them two crayons <laughs> <laughs> right and they're they're taped onto it right Excellent. so and then then it turned into a zine and and we did all these things and their fans are like it was quirky and, and uh, when it came time to the CD release, we actually had capacity crowd in an hour and we oversold the CDs. Like the capacity was 150, but we sold over 250 CDs. So people were buying two, three, four uh, because of the hype that was created. Um, 
And, and so there, there's those kinds of things that could take place that, oh, I remember that. And I'll probably keep it. Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I'm not getting rid of the thing with two crayons taped to it because it's a thing. Right. Right. Uh, you know, those memorable moments. And uh, well, that's what you're creating. Looking to get a leg up in the music industry? Are you a DIY emerging artist or an emerging business within the music industry? Indie 101 is an online conference happening in May 2022 that allows you to learn from industry professionals and connect with professionals. Check it out now. Super early bird pricing for passes and tickets are in effect right now at Indie101.com. Well, so, so that's the, I think that's what, I mean, God bless the internet. Here we are. Right. But, but I think ever since worldwide web bands are like, how are we going to conquer the world? It's like, well, yeah, you're not, you know, like it's really useful, but so we're drawn to like, you can release your album in eight different countries. Is that your mom? Hey mom. Um, yeah, that's my mom. You know, globally, like, well, okay, what are we, some like a crazy spy organization? Nobody needs to be global. You know, none of the bands I've been, we've been famous around the world, but we're not global, you know. And so if you if you go back to the crayon, two crayons on the thing, if you or the whiskey pancakes, it's your job to delight, surprise, delight, and honor five people in front of you, 10 people, and they all come back and, and, and the vibe will spread, you know, and that's how you end up playing to 5,000 people. You know, it gets difficult to scale, but you find ways of, if it's important to you, you find ways of doing it. And, um, you know, God, I mean, Taylor Swift seems to be doing a pretty decent job. She's always signing discs to give to independent record stores and like, you know, not many people know about that stuff, except the independent stores who are like, Oh my goodness. She's just sent us 50 signed discs. These will go like hotcakes and people will come into our store and buy three other things perhaps, you know? Um, but, but that's our job. And once if you're, if I don't know how to be huge, but I know how to delight five people or, or, or 50 people, you know, and you just keep doing that. And, and you'll get to wherever it is you're supposed to be. Absolutely. And, you know, man, we could talk forever on this stuff. I know it's it, it, part of it is you have to also be passionate about it, which which is the key, like the genuine side of it, too. Um, you know, I just saw received an email today from an artist I used to manage in when he was in a different band. You know, um, He's been talking about a CD coming out for about eight months, building this story. And now it's limited edition, signed, only 1,000 CDs, all numbered, hand message, blah, blah, blah. Claim yours now. And, and imagine if it's, so if the C, regular CD, and I'm just going to throw a number, is $20, this could be $40, yeah. And, and imagine if it sells all thousand and he's been working at this at least eight months to build that there is a thousand people, uh, a thousand people interested. That's $40,000 just off of a release right. without a tour. Right. So, right. so that's the thing. You got to build that story before asking for money, make it special, have option A, option B, 
this is more special. This is special, but this is more special. And and yeah. Option option F. I'm coming to your house. You know, like okay, you know, and uh, we we do. You know, I I like screen printing stuff. We we screen printed some coffee bags. We do shirts. We do scenery, and um, uh, we we did a, a pig face reissue with the uh, uh, glow in the dark ink, uh, hand screened. They're signed and numbered, and they go for sixty to eighty dollars for a double album. And you sell 300 of those, it's $18,000, which is about 5 million streams. Like, I don't know how to get 5 million streams, but I know how to sell 300 double albums. And once I've sold 300 double albums, I've got a bunch of people who some of them might work with me to get some streams if I want. Plus, I've got nearly 20 grand if I want to throw some money at getting some streams, which I don't. I'll just throw money at printing something else and having some fun with that. But there are ways to incrementally get somewhere. I think that's that's another problem, you know. Uh, you know, I'll I'll say, yeah, it's seven years to be an overnight sensation, because um, it is. And if you if you can understand that, you start to act differently in your first two years of being an artist. Everything is a seed that you're planting. And so you won't complain. Well, there's no, there's no beers tonight in the dressing room. Of course there weren't. There's nobody here anyway. You know, if I was a club owner, I might give you some as a favor, as a gift, but not because you earned it from ticket sales, you know, and people complain. We didn't even make gas money and blah. All right. Well, get a cheaper vehicle or go to bicycle to your gigs then, right? Whatever you need to, or get, I would say somewhat harshly, get five jobs to pay for this thing until you can give up all of your jobs because it's going well, you know? And, That's the uh, best advice right there is, is like, uh, make sure you've got some money a, to live. And if that means have a day job, have a day job. Cause I've seen artists quit everything, go, I'm going all into this. And they haven't had finance to support their life even. And then mental health and stuff takes over. Yeah. So uh, that's a huge point there, everybody, is make sure you've got a source of income outside of music to fund it, but also survive. And it'll cross over. It'll cross over at some point if you're doing the right things. I, I did a consult for a band in L.A., which sounds ridiculous because it was ridiculous. And uh, uh, I'm like, they were rehearsing every day. That's how passionate they were. I'm like, and their rehearsal space was expensive, you know. And I, and I came up with this plan and I showed them this plan and they wanted to stab me. Like, I'm like, here we go, guys. Uh, stop rehearsing at this place that's like, that's your life is this rehearsal place. And all you're doing is rehearsing there and there's a fridge there and you're drinking beer and it's a party. If everybody gets too, <laughs> I think I suggested everybody in the band get a 10 hour a week side hustle. And then I extrapolated, what if you're getting 15 an hour on the side hustle, bump, bump, bump. In six months from now, you'll have $18,000 and you can press up your own vinyl, bump, bump, bump. And uh, I, I think I said, share your rehearsal place with two other bands, which they, they were like, well, that's insane. You know, how could we, you know, they would do anything except, you know, take some advice. And they paid me for the consult, but 
I thought it was a great plan, actually, that uh, could actually work, you know. I, it's funny because I did that in all the bands I was in, and, and we had band packs. So this is like, do whatever you're doing, but if there's four or five of us, you had to pay band tax every month. And that was our, our building of thousands of dollars. So then oh, we okay. want to score something. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, okay, cool. If everybody's putting in 200 bucks a month, there's four of us, that's 800 bucks in 10 months. That's 8,000 bucks. So oh. okay, it's, it's easy to do road trips and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it was like, however you figure out your band tax up to you, but just have your band tax. And then oh. as we got, as we got kind of a bit more up there, it was like, well, now it's $400 band tax because <laughs> we got more stuff to do. Uh, but, but also then we saw when we're selling things, we would kind of go, okay, if we made X number of dollars in a night, this part goes to bank account, this goes to expenses for the night. And this is goes into the other account of like, just let's not touch this. So this is operational money. This is the pay expenses money. And what's left that goes into the whatever account. And, and it's like, oh shit, something broke. We need $5,000 fix a van that we had that money for that there. Right. And, and, the, and the thing is, don't touch it. If you want to drink, take it out of your pocket. Don't take it out of band money. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that was a huge thing because I see so many bands do this. Hey, guys, we made 100 bucks. There's your 25, your 25. All right. First round's on me. And, yeah. and there goes all their money yeah. in one shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 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 many of these things right now. Look how fast that t- hour went. It's crazy. Do you have like 10, 15 minutes? Are you are you OK oh, for 10, 15? Of course I am. Yeah. All right. So for those who can stay, I want to do like quick two minute back and forth, three minute road stories, uh, kind of like share kind of these things that happened because here's the one thing about being an artist. And I was, you know, there should be, everybody has a documentary. Everybody, like all these artists have documentaries. Everybody has books. There's a unique story to them, but there's this sort of weaving of similarities within it. Cause we kind of find our own answers, but how to these problems. But the thing is, it's a unique story. And that's what the value is in. So if anything, I say to artists, as you're building things, document it. Take photos, take videos, write stories. You don't know what can happen to that because that becomes a documentary on Netflix and Amazon and all that in later life. But uh, I thought if we just share some stories and uh, Martin, if you can, maybe like, how did you get in with Nine Inch Nails? What was your first foray into getting into with uh, Trent Reznor? Well, so there's no straight line from A to B, right? So um, I had a band called Brian Brain. We released maybe eight records total. Uh, We were based in the UK originally, then I moved over to the States with PIL. And uh, we put out, as everybody did in the early 80s, we had a 12-inch single called Funky Zoo. And we had a horn section. Everybody had, well, there's horns on everything. You know, ministry behind me somewhere. There was horns on ministry records back then, which is insane, you know. So um, we couldn't afford to travel with a horn section. So I sent out cassettes to friends. Uh, my friend Tom in Cleveland, like Tom, here's a cassette with the, with the horns. If you could put a horn section together and rehearse, that would be great. 
and he put a horn section together. It was him on trumpet and Trent on saxophone and somebody else, you know. And so that's where I met Trent. Um, he gave me very early demos of Pretty Hate Machine in maybe 84, um, like in a laundry room of a barbecue at somebody's house. And, um, and then he slept on my floor when he came out to the East Coast. And uh, I, I gave them some advice on a record deal. And then um, when they came through Chicago to do, um, to do the Head Like a Hole video, they stayed at my place and uh, asked me to play drums in the video. So I took my drums down there and uh, the, the bar staff got me wildly drunk. And we like, we filmed the song like 50 times. And I'm like, you know, and I picked up my floor tom, threw it at the drums and got a taxi home. And somehow ended up with a, a Nine Inch Nails drum case, which is, where is that? Somewhere, somewhere behind me. And um, uh, all the drums got mixed up. So, um, and then Trent asked me to, to go up to Lake Geneva to the studio and, and work on a track, which became Wish. Um, and it was that all that stuff was just re-released on vinyl. Um, so that was it. I asked um, I asked Trent to come out and sing with Pigface, um, you know. And and although people might think of it differently, th at that point, I think Nine Inch Nails had sold five thousand albums. And and Steve Albini actually said to me, "Why are we wasting this money on a plane ticket from Cleveland for this Trent guy?" I'm like, he's a friend, shut up. He's a friend of mine, you know. I want him to, I want him to sing with us. And um, I mean, that's kind of a, a, so a series of, of you know, uh, inconsequential little uh, little things that, that, that turn into a lot, really. It, it's amazing. It it's just shows like, you know, um, putting yourself out there, going to things, meeting people, you don't know what's going to happen. And I just, I think, I think a lot of artists are, are very insular or they, they just sort of like stick to their own corner. And that's what industry mixers are about is like talking and, and such. And it's so important to just meet people. And you know? it's tough. I'm really shy, you know, and it's, it's tough. I mean, for me, the bands I've been in pick faces, my, you know, with now probably 600 members, that is my Rolodex. That is my uh, uh, after-school club, you know. Um, but uh, I do know it's it's tough for my students. It's it's tough for artists. You just have to sometimes just be there and stand there, you know. And um, it's easier these days to do that and not drink because because I think my my shyness. Uh, I would go out and drink, you know, thirty beers you know, because I was adrenalized and frightened and anxious, but, um, and, and it was easier to buy a beer for someone else as an intro. Like that yeah, was, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but, but yeah, I, I'm always halfway convincing myself to not do stuff. There's always a reason to not do something. Um, and, uh, but you, you have to do it. You know, great things happen when you do stuff. Nothing happens when you don't. Gith Wittis. Gith Wittis. Uh, I'm going to do it. We got to do a dot com on that one day. Um, 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it like I'm a shy person too. I, I, I was a teacher. I still am a teacher, but like I taught five days a week and that kind of like helped. Like I did like, you know, get myself up to just talk in front of a class. And, and it's very, uh, even this sometimes it's like some days you're like, Oh, I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I've been I was up late working, but you know, when you start, it's like all of a sudden the adrenaline goes and you come out and it's like, wow, so glad I did. That was su- such an yeah. awesome session. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's funny. Like um, you talked about the, the flight cost and it reminded me of a quick story where I was working with a band from Ireland. And so this is something that a lot of people, you know, think outside the box. They're like, I, we want a booking agent in Germany. So they tend to think, let's go to Germany and play and invite people to our show. And I was like, you mean the show that no one's going to be at because you don't have any fans in Germany yet. And you want to, you want to impress a booking agent from Germany to an empty room. So I was like, well, how about we fly him to Dublin where you're showing, doing a show with your audience, your sound tech, your crew, and we're paying one flight, one hotel, not four, five or six. Like if I went, I was six. Right. And, and, uh, so it's like, okay, like it really took a lot to actually convince the band of this concept because it's like, well, but we should play in Germany. And I'm like, no, you mean go for a holiday in Germany? That's not yeah, like, yeah. and and so, so we did that. And literally it was, I picked the, the booking agent from the airport and, you know, in the cab, he's like, so tell me about this. Okay, great. And he's like, I'm here on your dime. So I'm focused on what you're doing because I respect your money. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. I know if we invite him to a, a, a gig in Germany, he knows everybody. Everybody knows him. And there might be a different band from Germany that's the hot thing that goes, hey, you should sign us. And he might sign them instead of our band. And so he, 60 seconds into the show, he turned around. He goes, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Right. And so then we go and, you know, have follow up meetings and talk. And I go, well you know the german market so you're our ally tell us like how would the german audience respond best to this band and he's like well we should do a a recording that's with a german producer because now there's a german aspect to it right and with that german produced product we'll shop it to german record labels and try to get a signing with a German company. And in the meantime, until we get that, I'll shop the album you currently have and we'll see what responses happen. And it took about eight months and about six months in bands are like, where's the answers? What's happening? Why? I'm like, just patience. And about eight months in, he goes, well, I did plan A and we didn't get anything. Now plan B is I'm going for publishers. And in two weeks, he goes, I've got two offers, right? And so it's like, which one? And there was health issues with one. He goes, but this one would be the, the, the one. And if you're in, they've got a roster of producers, which means we would get a producer, which is probably a record deal. Um, and it's like, but they, they need some convincing. It's like, okay, well, let's fly one guy from the publisher to Dublin, or in that case, Limerick it was, to see the band in Ireland. And so we did that and we had a meeting and he goes, well, you don't have hits, but you're good. You can have hits, 
And with us being a publisher, we've got a roster of songwriters. And just so happens we've got a songwriter in London right now that has written top 10 hits, like with Red Hot Chili Peppers and all this. And we'll just take your key songwriter and fly to London and write some songs, right? So just if you think, like it took a year, maybe a year and two months to get to that point and two flights, two hotel rooms, right? Unfortunately, the week after the band said it's not happening fast enough and quit. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was waiting for that. Like, uh, so, yeah. so that was the, that was the end of that story. But uh, but, you know, like it's the kind of thing where think outside the box and it might be better for who do you want to work with? Invite them. And you know what? Those people became allies. And, and you know, it's like they respect. Oh, you, you know, you, you send emails and you don't get answers. when you're like, hey, sign our band. Hey, this. Hey, can I fly you to Dublin? Yeah. You get an answer to that email real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that, you know? That's so super smart. Also, I I, I really like that. I, I'll I'll incorporate that into a class. I think. Um, I also am surprised if you want to meet somebody and spend time with them from the city that you're in. In my case, Chicago. I found, you know, going to something like South by. Or, or a conference in Milwaukee, like when you have five people from Chicago who are away from Chicago, they can't seem to naturally bond. It's like, oh, hey, you seek each other out. Like, hey, you're from Chicago, I'm from Chicago. We're all here in this thing at South By or in Milwaukee. And then you have these conversations. And that's how I ended up um, working with Dark Matter Coffee. I mean, they've got seven coffee shops now in Chicago, but we didn't talk until we were all in Texas. It seems crazy. I could have just got in a car and gone over there, but, but I, I don't know. It's like, well, you're at, you're at South by I'm at South by neither of us are wasting anybody's time. We're, we're hustlers. We're doing stuff. And it was a great, it was a really great conversation. The beginning of a really interesting, um, a really interesting situation. Sorry, had to unmute there. Uh, that's so true. And like, I can't tell you, like, you know, I used to go to Popcom when Popcom was a thing mm-hmm. and meet Canadians in Germany. Yeah. And and that's how I actually met that booking agent. Tell you the truth. I met a Canadian and he's like, oh, you should meet this German booking agent. Mm-hmm. And and uh, if there's anything about conferences, it's I feel it's so important that you actually go and really, if you are going, participate because you compress 12 months of work into like four days you, you can meet yeah. so many people you make the connections and they go oh you're serious because you're here you wouldn't be here if you're not serious so you kind of cut through the crap really quickly yeah. but I, I i know that i have i have made the mistake of being shy you know um i go and keynote something and honestly speaking at a high profile event is more exhausting for me than playing my drums for three hours. I mean, it really is exhausting, but then, but now before I, and then I would just collapse, you know, say hi to a bunch of people, sell some books and then, you know, just collapse in the room till the following morning. But now I know before I leave for an event that I'm speaking. And then after I speak, I'm going to be around. Because uh, whilst people have had an opportunity to applaud or boo, whatever, however my speaking goes down, 
Um, it, people really want to say, not, not everybody wants to queue up afterwards. And sometimes there's an event after you. And sometimes people just want to say some stuff like, hey, I enjoy what you said, or well, here's an interesting story to add on to what you were saying. And that happens afterwards, just informally wandering around. And I, I try and build that in now because, you know, from, from a shy perspective, I, I didn't do that before. And now it's it's part of it's part of that whole thing. the social thing is is a part of it for sure. Yeah, I, I I'm the same. You know, like uh, indie week in person, it takes so much out of me that it's like the next two weeks I'm like off the grid radar, like just coming back to life kind of thing. Uh, whereas online, don't have to like worry about so much things, but in person and 24 venues and 300 bands and 150 speakers and all that stuff. That's a lot. So it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, and, and, and the other thing too, is at the end of the event there, the people would be like, Hey, I have an idea for next year. And I'm like, mm, talk to me in a month, <laughs> but I need to sleep. So, so yeah. Um, Awesome, Martin. Like always, so good to talk to you, my friend. And you know, the, the, I, these sessions we're we're looking to host more of these kind of just discussions because I think, if anything, you know, a lot of really cool stories come out, but the uniqueness and if there's anything to learn is like, you, you know, we all have our unique stories, but there is that cross section where they're very similar, um, and and document it take photos, take videos and document it. Cause you just don't know what that could turn into. Uh, and, and, you know, make things like things turn into things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, any last statement, last tip or advice? Uh, well, you know, because I'm sitting here in the museum, I, I just, I've been saying for several years, as an artist, you need to create the museum of you. And so this is not the museum of me, it's the museum of post-punk and industrial music. And it's, it's growing by two or three items a day. Um, but you, it's an artist's job, I think, to create items that are unnecessary, but collectible, and to keep them um, so that a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, there's this uh, mythology, there are these objects, they can be used as gifts, items, competitions, or just put up in a room, and you never know where you're going to end up. Um, so it's, it's just a good mindset. Do we need a poster for next week's show? No, the place only holds 30 anyway, and it's going to sell out. Yeah, but you don't need a poster for the show. You need a poster for the museum of you five years from now. So make a poster. Could it just be a Xerox? Yes, it could. Or you could do a two screen limited edition screen print signed and numbered, you know, and there's only going to be 30 people at the show. Make 50 posters because they'll be collectible. You know, Kozik's first poster was a pig face poster. It sat behind me. He's selling NFTs and kicking ass now with several books out. You just never know what those objects are going to be. And so um, create the museum of you, treat your career and your vibe with that kind of level of respect. Uh, and, and you might get somewhere sooner than you think. You've been listening to the Indie Weekly Podcast. Be sure to visit IndieWeek.com for all the information on the conferences for 2022. 
Screen by Screen, Music and Tech in February. Indie 101, Music and Business Education in May. Music Pro Summit, high-level music industry insight from professionals in September. And Indie Week brings it all together in November. Act now and get early bird pricing on an all-access pass to all four conferences presented by Indie Week. Details and much more at IndieWeek.com. Thanks for listening.